The FM Evolution podcast is brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services. We'll ensure consistently great performance to help keep your business running smoothly. For more information, visit cgpconstruction.com. This is the FM Evolution podcast brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services, bringing you trends, innovations, and advancement of the facility management universe. Welcome to The Evolution. Here's Sean Black. What's up, guys? It's Sean Black at FM Evolution. Welcome back to another show. Man, we are winding down the year. We're almost done here. And I'm so excited to have on a good friend of mine, Aaron Schultz, right? Schultz. Yeah, Yeah, I did that right. I knew I was going to get that right. (laughs) We're on first name anyway. You know, you know. A.W. Schultz. So, Aaron is back, and Aaron, if you guys don't know, is uh, author, uh, co- well, not a coach, an author, entrepreneur, passionate, passionate man about leadership and operations, uh, manufacturing, and quality improvement, and is one of the most organized people I've ever met in my life. He's got this doubt. It's so crazy. Welcome back to the show, man. I'm glad to have you back. Yeah, well, th- Sean, thanks for having me. I've, uh, like I, I said, I've been looking forward to come back on here. And it's been, it's been a minute, but a minute. I'm, I'm glad to be back. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, a lot of people say that, but I, I, I truly am excited to be talking about some of the topics we're going to be going over today. I am too. And I'm glad to have you on. Like I said, you are, I love your passion for what you do and, and your influence in, in FM. And you have a new book you're about ready to, to launch, right? Well, it, it's it's actually still a project, okay. And I've given myself a deadline on it, and I extended my deadline because I wanted to spend more time working on it. And it's about adaptive work management, and a, a little bit going into you know I, I, this is kind of the topic we're going into today. Is yeah, it, this is exactly is, what we're talking about. Is uh, wh- what it is, where it came from, and kind of where the the the, the, the process first originated from. So I guess. If, if I had to introduce myself a little bit, I like uh, you know, Sean kind of introduced myself. You know, I'm a consultant, I'm a coach, I'm a trainer on on what we call this asset management, which can include the the equipment, process, and the people for the math matter. I also have a, a nonprofit that I'm working. When I think Sean says I'm, I'm passionate about it, is I I have, it's called the the Maintenance and Reliability Institute, and it's focused on offering free learnings to continuous improvement and the community of shared shared knowledge and learnings. That's cool. Aaron, I did not know that, man. That is really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I enjoy that. So, you know, feel free to check it out anytime you want. Yeah. But a lot about what my goal is, is to, and what I, what I do is, is in the consulting industry is, is to collaborate with the business leaderships, which uh, need the improvement on their asset management through a work management strategy, which a lot of times is, is in your planning and scheduling. And I help create sustainable processes that bring profitability and sustainability to it. And then, like you said, we're also, I'm also working on my, my, my next book, which has, been, uh, which has been a lot of fun based on you know, a lot of what I've, what I've, what I've learned and what I'm, what I'm taking away. And, I, and, I, and I, I hope to share some of that knowledge with you today. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of learn about this. And it's cool to kind of, I love having people back on because you get to kind of hear their journey from you know, the last time they're on. And you said it's been about, it's been a bit. But about a year, over a year. Yeah, um, about a year. And then so, and when you kind of reached out to me uh, and said, hey, you know, 
I like to talk about adaptive work management. I'm like, hmm? Uh, <laughs> so if you could if you could tell us like what is adaptive work management and, and really how does that relate to planning and scheduling and change management and leadership? All these things are connected, I'm assuming. Yeah. So simply put, the idea of adaptive work management is is to take a flexible way of thinking that takes into account the culture of the at the time and working with people to adapt to change in the manner that the majority can support. Okay. That is the technical term. I had, All right. I had to read that well, lay it out I, for I me in layman's terms. Like, <laughs> tell me like you're talking to your kids because <laughs> I need to understand this. So let me, let me go back to the genesis, probably where this first initiated. Perfect. I had, uh, I had, I'd finished my, my, my last book on, on, and it's about work management, which is planning, scheduling, and putting the controls in for sustainability. Nice. And I was reached out by a publisher and saying, hey, I, I like your book. What do you think about ideas for the next book? And at the time, I just, well, I just, let's, let's work on getting this book out there. And, yeah, exactly. Um, I, was like, I just finished this one, man. What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, uh, it kind of swirled around in my mind for a while and, or for, for a little bit. And then, and then in, in conjunction with that, I was working on with, a, with another client. And in this particular project, which was not undifferent than other projects I'd worked on before, is coming in and doing change management. Mm-hmm. They may have been called that, but essentially what we want to do is we want to take the behaviors we have right now, look at the processes we have, and see if we can take what we have and make it better. Yeah. And I had done this approach you know, several times, and I'm sure, sure others in the industry have done something similar, but I didn't really have a name for it. And then I reached out back to the publisher and I said, well, it's, I mean, it's change, it's change management, but I'm not following a scripted structure because you go to different cultures, you go into different organizations. And then, Oh, by the way, you know, I, most of my projects I've done in the, in the United States and there's, there's different correlations or different mm. uh, opinions and you can't do everything exactly as a scripted set. And I came and like, well, you got to be adaptive for that. And that's kind of where it became called, Ding. Adaptive work management. Yeah, love that. <laughs> yeah, so I mentioned my publisher. He says, "Good." So, what do you can tell me about it? And I said, "I don't know." <laughs> I don't. I mean, and then well, yeah, give me a second. What, <laughs> so then I had to find out more about this. So I, I began reaching out to thought leaders throughout the industries um, about this and and doing just doing uh, doing interviews. And then I, I could tell you over the last six months has been you know it's been a very rewarding experience just learning different people's perspectives on what they think adaptive work management was. Now I'm being more upfront and kind of where this book is going uh, because it's, it's a project management, but it's, it's in a, within that project management realm, it's about change management. Mm. And then it's looking about how do you apply it to a project? Because you, you, you have to learn quick, you have to be open for change, and you have to be able to drive that change at, at the end of the day. Okay, so let's talk about change management then. Because this is all kind of interlinked. And I love, I love how you got the name for adaptive management, adaptive work management. Because every organization runs differently. Their culture is very different. Mm-hmm. How they manage their teams, how they lead their teams, all very different. The structure for every single company and what they do automatically makes them different. So being adaptive, that, that 
to me, makes very much a lot of sense, right? And so I love the way that you've linked those together. But when it comes to change management, and we'll talk about that a little bit, how do organizations really kind of effectively implement change management, you know, and roll it out and achieve all their business objectives? Because like you said, everyone's a little bit different. Yeah, I, I, I have this cartoon that I, that I use when I do a lot of presentations <laughs> and it, I'm just going to visually ex, expression. You think of somebody that's a, sitting on the podium and you have an audience out there and they go, his first question is who wants change? Everyone raises their hand. Yes, we need to change this organization, make it better. And then his second question is who wants to change? And at that point, no one's raising their hands. It's crickets. <laughs> it's crickets. And then he asks the third question is like, who wants to lead change? And in the picture, it's empty. All it is, he's <laughs> the, left, the last one sitting there. Yeah, it's about right. Yeah. So I, I guess I'll explain it this way. When you're working with change management, it's like having a ship that is, has a certain amount of gunpowder and the ship is bearing down. There's another ship bearing down on it. So imagine taking that gunpowder and putting it into a giant cannonball. Mm. You fire at the ship and you miss. The next turn, the captain turns back and he's left with no gunpowder. He takes a big bet when the captain makes that decision to fire that cannonball. So instead of firing that cannonball, what if the captain, the ship decided to take that gunpowder and put it into fire bullets? The ship fires the first bullet, it's off by 30 degrees. They shoot the second bullet, it's off by 10 degrees. They take a third bullet, bing. It's the side of the ship. Now the captain knows that he has a calibrated line of sight. Then he can take the remaining gunpowder and put it into that cannonball. The ship fires it, calibrated right on sight. You think about what we've learned and not all businesses and cultures operate the same and have a course of being adaptive allows easy change to get that calibrated line of sight. So then... Every once in a while, you have a calibration that you have to fire a giant cannonball at a calibration or at a, at a ship. You have got that sight in mind, which adds a big burst of momentum to the whole organization. Not necessarily a new direction. We're not, we're not going to change everything, but we're being adaptive because we've got the line of sight that we want to go to. It gives a, a validated best bet that we can get the massive momentum on it. So, I mean... The key here to notice is that though it, is, it, it, it has a validation on it, mm-hmm. that you can just, the validation is the bullets, right? You got that calibration line of sights. You don't go out there and go out to some of, some of those quick wins, things that you know you have success with that drive the momentum forward. The ship cannot just sit there. You can't just be shooting at it with just bullets all day. At some point, you have to fire that cannonball. So that's the idea of what adaptive work management is. You think about leaders out there, they're faced with real life challenges in a rapidly changing business environment. That's, it's always, you know, who's, who's going to be best? The idea of adaptive work management is enabling the framework for managing the people side of change. Prepare the support, equipment individuals to drive change success. Adaptive work management focuses on the transparent, the ethical leader's behaviors and encourages open sharing of information needed to make decisions that are out there. 
The idea is to be flexible in a way that you take into account the culture of the time and working with the people to adapt the change in a manner that the majority can support this. I've told that story a couple of times, but the idea is we can't just fire bullets all day long. We have to be tactical and strategic about it that at some point we do need to fire that cannonball and drive some of that continuous change that we want to drive out there. Totally makes sense. You got, and I love what you're saying. You know, there are, there is a point in the business where you're making some changes, you're fine tuning, you're calibrating, but you can't, you can't just do that all the time. You, you, like you're saying, you have to go all in and then to achieve that goal. If you're, if you, if you're going to do what you want to do, you set a goal and you want to achieve it, going to need everyone uh, in the company pushing forward to drive that goal. Yeah. Right. I love that, man. It's a good analogy. It's a good analogy. I love that cannonball. Remind, you're, you're, I was picturing like Pirates of the Caribbean in my head as you're telling me that. Were you? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, all right, I know. I, know I, I can see this. I know cannonballs. I know cannonballs. I can see this. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what are some of the common challenges that, you, that you're seeing? You're, you know, organizations are wanting to implement this. They're trying to fine tune. You know, they, they have the cannonball. They want to fire it. But what kind of uh, changes are they, are they facing when they're implementing this kind of change? Well, like I alluded to, it's, it's adaptive. So mm-hmm. we have to determine what they, where they want to go. And ideally, you start small, those small little bullets that hit the side of that ship. And then you initiate different process groups. You bring individuals into it. You plan it, determine how you're going to communicate it out. Because that's, it, it doesn't work unless everyone's on board with it. And then the other one is determining some, some solution spaces out there. There's a lot of tools out there that you can pull from to drive some of these, these, these initiatives. But just pulling a tool out to say it's going to solve the problem isn't necessarily the best action of it. Knowing you have a plan or where you want to go to, that's where you start. And then once they're out there, what kind of controls can be put in place to ensure the sustainability of it? Sure, you can get a lot of momentum early on, but at the end of the day is how do you make sure it's sustainable? And that's kind of the hard things. So in adaptive work management, so this is, this is, this is actually a, a case study that I'd gone through. And again, the word adaptive means we're flexibility to it. Mm-hmm. But I also do have some structure to it, meaning that we have the baseline to it. Often it's validating the problem statement and double checking it to make sure it actually meets the demand of it. Because sometimes you come in organizations, they may perceive they know what the root cause is, but they don't necessarily know. So you're doing interviews, you're checking around and determine some of the different root causes that can be out there for them shortfalls. Working with the team to define a acceptable solution space. We need their buy-in on it. And bringing them up with you is the ideal way of driving some of the change into it. And then working with the, the work management system. Like I tell you, I do, I do a lot with planning and scheduling. And a lot of it at, at, the, foot, at the, the front gates of it is, is in that process. Pilot it, refine it, roll it out, and then look back at it and assessing some of the results on it. That's some of the best, best success of what we've seen and, and often the challenges are getting the buy-in from the others. Yeah, I think that is a challenge. I mean, and it really, I think this is going to depend a lot on the skill set of the leader who is, you know, trying to implement this change. But they're going to have 
they're going to have their challenges. If they, and then, like you said, if they're following this system, they're communicating clearly and trying to get everyone on board, they're going to have to get their buy-in. There's no way to implement this kind of change without it. And I think that is probably, if we're going to name one of the biggest challenges, is really that's probably it right there, right? Is trying to get everyone's buy-in on moving in a certain direction because there's always those people who are like, nope, this is not how we've done it. I don't want to do it. Why are we changing? There's no reason for us to change. And, uh, you know, and of course you got the early adopters. They're like, sure, let's change. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's get it. But uh, the majority of the people, I think, are very um, comfortable with how things are. And I, yeah. and I, and I, I love that analogy. And I was going to ask you, what do you feel is, you know, how can leaders really kind of effectively communicate the importance of change management to their teams and to their stakeholders, you know, that are involved here? Because it's not an easy thing to do. And I know you've been working with companies a long time, kind of implement this type of change. What What's the best example you've seen out there or what kind of advice would you give on this? Yeah, so good question. I often refer to it this way. You're doing change. Teachers teach, bakers bake. As a project manager, it's about to communicate. Yeah. They spend most, as a project manager, as a, as a change coach or whatever you want to do is you're making things. The majority of your time is to be spent communicating. And the way to look at this is if, if it's an uphill battle, because as I shared in the story with the, the person that says they want change, there's often you initiate the change. And then you have to adapt to the behaviors of that change yeah. of the individuals mm-hmm. and to be genuine to what their, what their meanings or what their demands are and to be sensitive to, to what, how that's, that's occurring. Things to take in mind when you're doing it is be able to answer the questions. Why is the change necessary? Mm. How and when do they intend to get there? There, there needs to be an action plan for it. And who is going to be personally impacted? Because certainly they just, if they're personally impacted, they are stakeholders into it and they need to be involved in it. And then also what, what kind of support do you need to try to drive that kind of change? Yeah, that's, that's right on point, man. I, I think that's great advice. The, there are definitely uh, people in the crowd that, you know, like me, high drivers. I'm like, okay, I want to know what's in it for me. Why are we changing? And how is this going to affect me? Otherwise, I'm out. I'm out of this. I'm out of this conversation. I don't want anyone, anything else. I don't care about right now. Tell me how it's, you know, and so you have to address those people. Right. And then there's the, the people who need all the details, the, the, you know, the, the, the systems in place, the finite details to be able to be like, okay, you know, I, I, if we have a plan, I can follow this. And then I think following up exactly what you're saying is really following up and, and sharing the why, why we're doing this is so important for the rest of the people who have a hard time visually understanding, you know, uh, what's going on. That vision, the, the vision casting and what you're doing as a leader in this whole process is it's extraordinarily challenging. And in the communication, like you're saying, man, it's it's everything that communication is everything when it comes to rolling out this kind of change. Great advice. All right, man. So we are going to take a short break. We're going to thank our sponsors for the show. And we'll be right back. 
Did you know that CGP Maintenance and Construction Services are also commercial plumbers? They added the plumbing division in 2000 and have been serving the nation's largest brands ever since. They offer everything from cleaning drains, camera work, and grease trap repairs to full repipes and dig-ups. So when your brand needs commercial plumbing, remember to call CGP. They are ready to be on-site 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They specialize in restaurants, retail stores, commercial buildings, and hospitality. No matter what your plumbing needs may be, CGP is ready, and because they are a maintenance company, they can make the repairs needed after the plumbing is completed as well. One call will do it all. Call them today at 858-454-7326 or check them out on the web at www.cgpconstruction.com. Give them a call today. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sean Black, on the best dang podcast ever for facility management and then uh, in the service industry. And, you know, I'm so excited because we're back. We're talking about adaptive work management with my friend, Aaron. Aaron, we were, we meant we covered a lot. We've covered a lot in, in the first half of this show. We're talking about what adaptive work management is, how that relates to change management, how we're rolling it out, how to communicate to the people that are going through this change to get them on board. And I loved your, your example of the cartoon where people, you know, who, who wants change? Yay, everyone wants change. Who wants to, who wants to do it? No, no one. <laughs> they're, they're, they're gone. I think that's very, very much based in reality. And I know you have experience, uh, you know, as a consultant rolling this out and seeing that happen in person. You know, when we, before we hit our break, we're really talking about communication and the role that plays, you know, I, I wanted to kind of ask, you know, how really can team members communicate with one another? What's the purpose, you know, about the purpose and the goals of adaptive work management? Like, how does that play a role in this? Think, think about communication is about going titles, how sponsors, supporters, and stakeholders get that information across. Yeah. Having well-written documents will support the likelihood of something that's being read or understood. But also, there's also going to be tragedy for it. Do you, do you remember growing up playing the telephone game? Oh, you my remember? gosh, yes. So, yes. Where you, where you whisper something into somebody else's ear, who whispered into somebody else's ear, and then around the group until you get to the last person, and they, something came out that was completely misinformed, and everyone laughs. laughs. Right? Yeah, we play that game every day here in the organization that we're in. <laughs> like everyone else does. No, that's a perfect example. I love so, that. I, I like how you say we play that game every year. So as grown-ups, we still continue to play that game. That's right. Only we don't whisper to each other. We write lengthy documents that create official-looking presentations that we hand off to somebody who proceeds to give it to somebody else and has a completely different interpretation of it. And that person uses that document to create more documents to give different people direction. However, unlike the game that we played as kids, we, we're not laughing at the end of it. And to think about, to think about communication as a, as a tool is also understand how things fail. Yeah. And I, uh, I use this example when I, when I talk about what are some of the requirements versus expectations in communication. Now, you may remember this. this. This occurred in 1999. There was a crash of a Mars climate orbiter, um, which would be about a quarter billion dollars of today's standards. Ooh. Yeah. But here's the punchline. 
if any project was sunk up in the eyeballs in requirements and written documentations, it's the NASA's projects. We work for NASA, but I can, I can imagine that they, they like things documented. Despite all the filings and the cabinets and requirements and documentation, the orbit crashed. While NASA used a metric system for their measurements, members of the Lockheed Martin chose to use something else. Oh, no. Which are our standard, our standard systems we, we use in the U.S. today. Mm-hmm. Um, while we don't exactly know where the orbiter is at this point, <laughs> the, the idea is that you, you, if you've got formal documentations and I'm swinging this back down to communication, is that's only one measure. That's only one way of documenting it. And in, in the NASA case, I'm sure that they had that thing proofread time and time again. This was an official document, you know, multi-books long. But when you're doing the communication efforts of it, especially in adaptive work management, the richness of the communication often comes in almost... Three, three, three forms if you want. Certainly a face-to-face, um, the written documentation, and some other kind of, of way of broadcasting it out to the other people or the, the communities that are out there. Mm. And I, I touch back on a, in a project management perspective, change management, but it fills into adaptive management because it, if it's not communicated well, you know, we're, we're facing the scenario like the orbiter. Well, and you know, and that's a challenge, right? Because the details, the devil's in the details, right? Metric, the devil's in the details, yeah. The metric change, man, that's to, to imperil. That's, uh, well, <laughs> it's a slight difference. And I, and I get how that little bitty detail can make a huge impact. And, and I think, you know, in, in my mind's eyes, you're, you're explaining that how much, uh, how much the mounds, of communication and documentation and expecting everyone to really absorb all that information, I, I think is to me is nearly impossible. So really the strategy behind communicating that and the process of making sure everyone understands it has to be on point, especially with something like that. But in any organization, essentially what, what I kind of hear you saying is, you can have all the data and all the information, if, but if it's not communicated effectively and, and really effectively, you can have, you can crash your your uh, your Mars mission, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> and cost yourself a lot of money. And some organizations, that means, you know, you lose all your profit on a project and other organizations, you know, someone, someone dies. So you got to be, you can be very effective in communicating that and have uh, a strategy behind that. What do you feel like in adaptive change management is like the most effective strategy for communicating with people? A strategy for communicating. So I, so I listened to your podcast, Sean, and you would, you would talk about communication with uh, stormy Friday. Oh yeah. Stormy Friday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, love that. um, yeah, I, I did. I, I I just liked it because it's 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 about how communication is goes about. Yeah, but one thing maybe to imagine is um, if you have a like an X Y axis on it, is your your strongest bit of communication is your face to face. Yeah, and then certainly there's there's just different verbals. You're calling on the phone. You and I are doing a, 
on a uh, virtual right now. But one of the least ways that communication is, is transposed is, is, is in those, the devils in the details of the documents. Yes. And if it's you or like me, I mean, I, I, I get an iPhone every couple of years. I, I oh, don't yeah. read the, the no. instructions or the, the agreement that's multiple long. No, I know I've cited my life away. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> But that's it, man. I, I think I think you're right that you know you really have to have a, a strong person who understands the, the communication. And if you don't have someone in your organization, for God's sake, get someone else in to help with that process. Whether that's you know a, a consultant like yourself or someone else. But you it, rolling out this kind of change is not easy. It's very difficult, and and really mastering that communication and getting the strategies together to roll it out is super, super important. I want to roll into uh, another question I have for you, which is about leadership effectively really monitoring and evaluating the effectiveness of this change, right? So they put this change in place. How do they monitor it? And how do they know it's effective? I mean, the easy answer is talking about you. So with controls, controls is is one of the the last steps for you're closing out when you're, when you're saying the projects is, is ready and, and right. things are going to be, you can, you know, pack up the, the briefcase and head on home that night. But, it, you know, it, it does take time is to, to understand that is, is how you're measuring it. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I look at myself, easiest answer is you, you have metrics that can be key performance indicators. But within key performance indicators, you have to realize that how are those individuals going to have an impact on those process changes and can they individually impact it? Because if they can, we want to make sure that they've got these leading indicators, these individuals that feed into these lagging indicators, which is the results of the business. Mm. And when you determine what they are, that is a fruitful knowledge to, 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 to drive some of the change within the organization. Now that's a structured approach to it. I often find myself um, just to get my own calibrations, I talk to them. And when you think about when you're implementing process change, and especially if they know that you're the one doing it, <laughs> they're, they're going to have something to say to you about it. Yeah, it could be good or will. bad. Yeah. But however, when, when, when I do these types of these projects, the way I know things are starting to go in the right direction is they start speaking the lingo and the language. Oh, cool. And they yeah. start thinking of ideas where they can... Where, new ideas where to go with. And to me, that, that's just that, that's that, that rock that's starting to roll down that hill, right? And it's gaining its, it's, it's, gaining its momentum. And that's, that's how you really start to determine some of the calibrations or some kind of the measurements that you have on there. Uh, certainly, you can, you can mess it up with, the, with having a, a, a metric or a KPI, but that's, to me, that, that, that's the sound sin, uh, sincerity that the process that they're rolling into, what they're, what they're doing as far as a work management perspective, is having a positive change. Do you feel like leaders, maybe not all, but maybe some rely too much on the KPI? I, I think it's dangerous sometimes because a KPI is a key performance indicator. Right. And you need to be able to impact a key performance indicator. And if that's your goal, you have to be, you have to be able to individually impact it. Yeah. And having a goal of make plant, or a factory or um, whatever 
or organization you work for goal, that's not a good KPI. That's probably at the executive level, but they need to be cascaded down. Something that they can impact on that. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying and I agree with you. And I, I, I wonder a lot of times, and I've had this conversation with a lot of different leaders and CEOs, coaches, that I feel sometimes that we, we are so dependent on the KPI, on the data, and not understanding the people behind the data as much, especially with how things are right now. Even before pandemic, there's a lot of siloing going on in departments. And I feel like that is continuing to get even more you know, predominant in workplaces where people have their silos, especially working remote. And so as a leader, I, well, I, I fear that people may be too involved with just looking at numbers and KPIs. That's why I really love what you just said, which is, yeah, that's great. You need those, but you like to actually go talk to people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes, my man, because it's, it makes such a difference uh, understanding, you know, what's driving that KPI individually, what that looks like with those people. I love that, man. So I love, I love leaders that are really integrally involved with their teams. It makes a huge difference, huge difference. You want to talk about creating momentum? That's it right there. That's to me, that's how you do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. All right. We have a couple of questions. We're going to wrap up here. Everyone loves tips and tricks, but is there anything that you could give them like some tips on managing change when, you know, when implementing adaptive work work management uh, in an organization? Like what would you, if you could give a top three, what would that be? (laughs) I'll beat over to you. I'll give you top four. All right. I love it. Give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) One is consider the whole system. Yes. There's, there's also understand the maturity level of the organization. It could be new and building them up. The second one is simplicity is king. Make it simple. It can't be complex Mm. and they need to understand it. And the other one is the antibodies will attack. Think of that, uh, that picture we use of the, the COVID virus. Making business process changes in a low maturity environment, which you know, new organizations, changing organizations, often they, they experience a, a shift where the maturity drops down to low. You have to be able to initiate that. You, you've got to get the, the, the buy-in and, the, the, and, and to have that them available to feel that they're, they're feeling that they're, they're wanted because every organization has got their resistance and understand the resistance to it. You have to be able to challenge that. And the fourth one is the end user must feel the long-term ownership of it. Mm. That is the control on it. It must be in their system. It has got to be a, a methodology that, it, you know, not just pulled out of a book, but, you know, could be referenced from it but something that key influencers have a, a significant impact and involves the entire process of it. Oh, that's great. I love it. Gave me four. You are an overachiever. <laughs> Gosh, dang it, man. All right. We're talking about promoting this culture, right? Of continuous improvement. I, and I love that. And I love that is really to me when I, when I think of, you know, when I think of Aaron, I'm like, okay, this guy is like, Constantly focus on continual improvement, 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 systems, procedures, all that. How do you promote a culture of that 
when you're when you're when you're trying to roll out this this adaptive work practice, you know, in organizations. So tough one, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be solid and long lasting. You you need executive support. Yeah, that's the easiest For thing sure. I can uh, yeah. put into that. You simply cannot succeed without it. Execution of it, have the sponsorship of it, and and having that that excitement around it. A lot of projects fail because, and a lot of times, there's conflicting priorities that mm. individuals are put on to each other, or there's just that that lack of, of communication. You know, you, you you say you've got a meeting, you got a kickoff, you got to. You, there's that. You know, I sent you an email about that. Why didn't you respond to it? Or I mean, it, it's it's got to be on multiple different levels on on how it's communicated on it. But I mean, the, the one thing to think about, and I'm glad you brought up. KPIs is you can incentivize performance. You can only incentivize behavior. Mm. Think about this way. I have a son. He plays soccer. I tell him, his name's Aaron too. <laughs> go, go, go play soccer, score a goal. Now I'm sure he wants to go out there and score a goal, but just by telling him that and putting that incentive out there, that doesn't mean he's going to do it. But what do you do to support that? Well, you practice with him. You give him the the, the coaching and the, and the lessons and the practice that he deserves. I mean, the same as for a baseball player. Tell a baseball player, go up there and hit a home run. He will try to hit a home run every single time. But do you are you really expecting him to hit that every time? It's not. It's not realistic. Yeah. But it's it's what you invest into it is what you get out of it. And that's why I, I go back and choose. You can't incentivize performance. You can only incentivize behaviors on that. And that's kind of the lead away is is uh, into uh, what is it, adaptive work management. It's being creative on how you're reacting to change and being understanding on an emotional level that there are all conflicting projects or initiatives out there, but still driving that process result and having realistic timelines of what we want to achieve. Because like we talked about shooting those bullets on the side of the ship, you can shoot them all day long. It may not sink the ship. At some point, you gotta you gotta fire that cannonball, mm-hmm. and that's where adaptive work management plays a part into it. I love that answer, um, specifically the part where you're talking about incentivizing behaviors, because a culture, work culture, is is really defined as a set of behaviors. That's all culture is in a company, and yeah. and when you're incentivizing a set of behaviors based on a strong value set, a core belief in who that company is and what they want to achieve and the change they're trying to implement to achieve that. And you can get everyone on board and you're incentivizing those behaviors. You're going to win. Oh, man. Great, great topic. I'm excited to to get this book when it comes out. You got to send me a copy. I want to read it and send me a copy. I'll read this thing because I'm excited to, to dive into this and then after this is out, I definitely want to have you back after this has been out for a while and, and talk about, I know you're going to have another project coming up after this. I just know who you are, man. You just, you're constantly working on stuff. For those who are wanting to implement change, they're wanting to reach out and get some help in doing this type of thing. How can they find you? What, what's the best way to get a hold of you? LinkedIn, A.W. Schultz. And I've also, I've got a, a newsletter that uh, it's just specifically about adaptive work management that I share. I'm nice. doing it on a weekly basis. So uh, certainly if you're interested in learning more about it, uh, sign up and uh, get the next copy. 
Is that going out through LinkedIn now? I've been seeing a few of those come through my inbox, the LinkedIn newsletters. If you're getting it good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting it yet, yet but I'm going to, I'm just saying, I'm like, I, I've, I've seen, um, I've seen newsletters now really coming out through LinkedIn. I'm like, hmm, this is really interesting as opposed to an article or as opposed to something else. And, you know, typically organizations will use their own, their own newsletter, which is amazing. But it was just, I was just, you know, it was one of my it, shiny object moments right there. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it, 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 it also can be found at um, awschultz.training. Oh, cool. Perfect. Uh, you could find it there also. All right, my friend. I'm excited. I can't wait to see this thing. Great, great information. Thank you for sharing. It's super impactful. Change is happening all around us all the time. And, and being able to influence that uh, and incentivize your people and the behaviors and really implement this is, is no easy task. So, you know, bringing someone in like you, I think is a, a very smart thing to do for organizations to get a different perspective on things. And so, yeah, I invite everyone who is listening to, you know, reach out to Aaron, get some good advice. He, he's always here to help. I, I, you know, it's just one of those people that you got to have an uh, organization to, to really uh, effectively lead and, and learn and continually learn uh, how to deal with change. And, you know, we've had some change in the last couple of years. Regardless, you know, uh, of what's going on politically or, or financially, economically, all those systems that we put in place pre-COVID are pff, out the window. So, uh, you know, everyone's adapting and learning. And I think, you know, rolling something out like this in your culture is great to get, get support to do it. So thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for putting the, the book out. And I'm excited to see what happens next with you, my friend. Great. It was great talking to you. Um, Absolutely. And for... Everyone who's listening on your favorite podcast platform, hey, don't forget to hit subscribe. If you like the value that we're bringing, like, you know, amazing guests like Aaron, you know, leave us a comment. I'd love to hear from you. And then if you're watching us on our YouTube channel, don't forget to hit subscribe and then hit the bell for notifications so you can see great content from AW Shots. Like my friend here, Aaron, thank you for being on the channel. We're going to put your contact information in the notes so people can find you. And, uh, and start making some effective, uh, massive change in their organizations going forward. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you next time. Take care.